everybody wants to be a card because a cop is the only cartoon that knows how to out and everybody wants to get on that feline bleed cause everybody wants to go to sleep go to sleep so my mama used to say if you keep going in that direction you are going to fall when the Palestinians launch rockets and the Israelis launch airstrikes. And you know what, mama? I didn't keep going that way, but apparently some other people did keep going that way because the Palestinians launched rockets and the Israelis launched airstrikes. Hmm. Lessons. The Middle East is back in the headlines for violence, and this time the U.S. is not involved. Well, not directly anyways. Today, we're going to be talking about what's going on between the Palestinians and the Israelis as more than 250 people have died and hundreds more have been injured or displaced with billions of dollars in estimated damages. Welcome to Lessons from the Screen. This is the show where we review whether or not a show is worth watching. We waste our time, our energy, and our brain power so that you don't have to. Pew, 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 pew. Lessons from the Screen is sponsored by Pax Inc., a black activist advocacy and think tank organization with the purpose of increasing the quality of life of black people in America through education, culture shift, and economics. And you should, because you can, and you definitely should, because you can, because don't let nobody tell you that you can't do something. You can do it. When they say you can do it, you should do it, because you can do it. Check them out, only with regards to what I'm talking about right now, though. You should definitely check them out at P-A-C-T-S-I-N-C.org. That is www.paxinc.org org leave a review leave a comment tell a friend to tell a friend become a member become a uh, uh leave a donation become a, a supporter or read the books in the learning center leave a comment on the books talk chat follow on social media do whatever you can to help them because they're doing whatever they can to help you and that includes volunteering and make sure that even if you don't want to do anything directly with them that you go to amazon smile Make sure that you use the Amazon Smile program to make donations through all of your regular Amazon purchases. The Amazon Smile program is a program where you can go and shop at Amazon the same way you usually do, and most of us are doing it. And you can select a nonprofit organization that will receive a small donation based on the amount of your purchase from Amazon. It's free for you, and it makes a difference for the organizations. We hope that you will pick Pax Inc. as your organization. So let's move forward. Because the last time we talked about Palestine and Israel was when President Trump broke with tradition and decided to make the United States the first major global power to recognize Israel's occupation of Jerusalem as legitimate by moving the U.S. Embassy into the city of Jerusalem. That show was all the way back in August of 2017. So 
let me just catch you guys up a little bit because we weren't doing videos back then and although that was a great show that i do think you guys should go back and listen to for all of the deets because i'm not giving them all here but it is only podcast so it's only audio i'm going to give you a brief history lesson right now palestine was absorbed into the ottoman empire in 1517 however at the end of world war one the ottoman empire was defeated and the land that would become the centerpiece of the middle eastern conflict was under the control of the british the british empire the british made two promises in the region one was the Mahmoud hussein correspondence in 1915 which was a promise to hussein ben ali the sharif of mecca through t.e lawrence Lawrence of Arabia for an independent Arab country covering most of the Arab Middle East. But then two years later, a promise was made to create a Jewish national home in Palestine with the Balfour Declaration of 1917. So from 1920 until 1948, the British governed the area under the British mandate by the League of Nations. And during this time, many Jews began migrating to the area with some speculating that this was caused by the Balfour Declaration's promise of a Jewish national home. The number began growing exponentially and resulted in violence in the area between Arabs and the Jews with a lot of lives being lost. Both sides saw not only each other as enemies, but also saw the British as an enemy, which led both sides to attack not only each other, but also the British. In order to stop the violence, the British imposed a quota on the amount of Jews that could enter Palestine in a year and also limited the amount of land Jews could purchase in Palestine, but this only served to make matters worse, as the Jews felt betrayed by the quota and the Arabs saw little enforcement of it. In 1947, the United Nations accepted an idea to split Palestine into an area for Jews, which would become Israel, and an area for Arabs, which would become Palestine. And in 1948, the British withdrew from the area. The Jews were given over half of Palestine, even though they made up less than half of the population, and the U.S. was the first country to recognize Israel. The U.N. decree that recognized Israel as a nation placed Jerusalem under international control with Jews on one side and Arabs on the other. The Jews announced the creation of the state of Israel, fulfilling the Zionist beliefs and pushes for the creation of a Jewish state in the Middle East, as they believed this was the only way to free themselves from persecution. Jews had, for decades, been coming from Russia and other areas in Europe, settling in Palestine, and by this time, there was a substantial number of them living in the area. The day after Israel was proclaimed and British forces withdrew, it was attacked by the surrounding Arab nations as they refused to recognize the Jewish nation. They weren't equipped as well, but they did have training from their involvement in the world wars and Western militaries. And in 1949, the UN brokered a ceasefire and Israel remained in control of all conquered territory. During the war, hundreds of thousands of Palestinians left what used to be Palestine, but was now Israel, leaving a Jewish majority. In 1956, Israel invaded Egypt, but was fought off. Then in June of 1967, the Six Day War began, during which time Israel launched a surprise attack on Egypt, inflicting massive damage and decimating the Egyptian Air Force, conquering the Sinai. Egypt pleaded with Syria and Jordan to attack Israel. However, Israel was able to capture Eastern Jerusalem amongst other places. When the fighting stopped, fewer than 1,000 Israelis had died while more than 20,000 Arabs had died. The peace treaty saw the return of the Sinai to Egypt in exchange for recognition. With the capturing of East Jerusalem during the Six-Day War, 
Israel was condemned by the United Nations, which saw the move as an illegal act. This caused virtually all nations to remove their embassies from Jerusalem and to Tel Aviv and to refuse to recognize Jerusalem as being the capital of Israel. Remember, as far as the, the, the United Nations was concerned, Jerusalem was an international city with Arabs on the east, Jews on the west. That was the way things stood until Donald Trump decided to change that policy by moving the embassy and recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And like I said earlier, for more information about that whole process, you should definitely go and check out the podcast that we did back in August 2017 as, as we went into more detail about the events, the histories and things like that. Now, even with things still in dangerous conditions for Turkey, Iran and other factions that are all in that area, all of whom we've done shows on, the challenges between the Israelis and the Palestines have turned up to 10 with missiles being launched and civilians dying. But what happened to set this whole thing off? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm gonna tell you right now. So chill out and don't rush me and stop judging me and listen and judge them. And you could judge me because I'm cool with being judged because you know, part of being an adult is being cool with what other people think about you, right? Right, right. Well, back on topic. It's been a powder keg, especially since Trump moved the embassy. In that time, Israel has been taking increasingly bold steps against the Palestinians, while the Palestinians have also slightly turned up their responses. The holy month of Ramadan, which started April 12th and ran through May 12th, which is the ninth lunar cycle of the year, and is the month that is believed that all the scriptures were revealed, brought heightened tensions and more opportunities for disrespect. But April 13th, which is the first month of Ramadan, as it starts the evening of the 12th, so April 13th was the first day of Ramadan for the Palestinians and all Muslims. April 13th was also Memorial Day for Israel. As the Israeli president was giving a speech on a sacred Jewish site, the Western Wall, which shares proximity with the sacred Al-Aqsa Mosque, Israeli officials raided the mosque where prayers were being held and cut the cables to the loudspeakers that were broadcasting the prayers so that the speech could be heard. That was the first salvo in this recent engagement. The Palestinians viewed it as an intentional disrespect and desecration of their sacred spaces and beliefs. The Israelis said what amounted to tough shit. And yeah. Now to be clear, this is not just any mosque. For those of us that are not very familiar with the sacred sites, the mosque is the third holiest location in Islam, and it happened during the holiest month of the year. So for an American equivalent, for a black American equivalent, it would be like somebody showing up during Christmas as your kids are opening their presents and y'all are having your Christmas breakfast or your Christmas lunch or whatever ceremony you have as your kids opening presents. Somebody busting into your house, saying, freak your Christmas for kids. your family, throwing the tree out the window and kicking the presents all over the place. Yeah, you'd be pissed, right? So were they. So this, was, this wasn't the only raid that month. Two other times, the mosque was raided by Israeli forces who in those follow-up raids enacted physical violence on civilians, threw 
a slew of stun grenades. They got pictures and stuff and videos all over the place and flooded the courtyard with rubber bullets. The Palestinians resisted and protested with their weapon of choice being, you guessed it, rocks. The Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, has been accused of using harsh treatment with regards to the Palestinians to boost his hold on power, which has been weakening of late. Being tough on Palestinians has the same effect in Israel, apparently, as being tough on black, I, I meant uh, crime, here in the United States. And after the loudspeaker incident, Damascus Gate, which is a popular hangout spot for young Palestinians during Ramadan, and as one of the main entrances into the old city of Jerusalem was closed by Israeli police. The police said they did it to prevent dangerously large crowds from forming there and to prevent, prevent the possibility of violence, which makes sense with the rising tensions and resistance from Palestinian youth, as well as the pandemic that is still very much a thing despite the vaccinations, yes. COVID is still killing people, but that reasoning only makes sense in a space that's devoid of any sort of historical context. Within the context of the fact that Israel has been called out regularly and consistently for decades concerning the human rights violations and atrocities they have visited upon the Palestinians, this looks like what it was to my eyes. Speaking, of course, and only from my perspective, it was an attack on the respect and the religious beliefs of the Palestinians. Another foot in your face maneuver. Now, the Palestinians responded to this in conjunction with the mosque raid by staging nightly protests with one of the goals being to reclaim the space at the Damascus Gate. But this also ties into the deeper issues mentioned in my last show. Israel gets away with a lot of the things that they do because Many of the Palestinians aren't citizens of Israel, despite the fact that they have residents in Jerusalem. And not only does this go into the fact that Jerusalem is no longer inter an international city because Israel captured it and claimed it, but this is also by choice for many of the Palestinians as many of them feel like applying for or registering for citizens citizenship would be acknowledging a state that they refuse to acknowledge. It's important to remember that Israel took East Jerusalem by force, a crime that most of the world's powers recognized as such, which is one of the reasons why there is a refusal to recognize Jerusalem as Israel. But because of this lack of citizenship, they're forced to deal with restrictions that force them to leave or live in illegal homes which are open to demolition orders, which played into the disrespect felt by the Palestinians with regards to the mosque incident and the Damascus Gate incident. This resulted in a group of Palestinian young people attacking Jews and the Jews organizing and responding. And on April 21st, hundreds of members of the conservative extremist Jewish group Lahava marched through Jerusalem chanting death to Arabs and attacking Palestinians passing by. We saw something similar during the uh, protest, the uh, treasonous insurrectionist attempt at overthrowing the government. Yeah, we saw that same thing where uh, black people were being attacked in various cities. It was reported, check your reports, uh, and, and people were chanting a lot of not so nice a lot of spicy things were being chanted but anyways they also attacked the homes and vehicles of anyone that they thought were palestinians 
And many believe that this was allowed to occur because Netanyahu was trying to maintain power and needed support from the extreme right in that country. On April 25th, Israel backed down and allowed gatherings to continue at the Damascus Gate. But there were other issues at work by this time. The work in process of the eviction of families from the Sheikh Jarrah in East Jerusalem was one issue that the Palestinians saw as being connected to the problems at the gate and the temple and another example of their persecution. The claim was simple and easy to make. Israel was trying to push Palestinians out of Jerusalem. It drew connections to historic tactics used to forcibly displace Palestinians. This connection was particularly easy to make as well because, well, common sense. But Israeli law also came to the forefront. In particular, a law that allows Jews to reclaim land from East Jerusalem that was owned by Jews before 1948, while denying that right to the Palestinians who were forced to flee or otherwise fled to avoid the violence heading their way as Israel was claiming lands and homes that weren't theirs. On April 29th, the president of the Palestinian Authority canceled the Palestinian election for fear of bad results, which made Palestinian leadership look weak, opening the door for Hamas to come through. Now, Hamas which is an acronymic name for the Palestinian National Militaristic Group that aims to liberate Palestine from Israeli occupation, took the opportunity to reassert themselves as the better option for leadership of the Palestinians, issuing threats that if the persecution of Palestinians didn't stop, they would not sit idly by. A May 7th raid on Al-Aqsa that also involved rubber bullets, stun grenades, and unnecessary police aggression, pushed things in the wrong direction further. On May 10th, a court hearing on the evictions in the Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood were postponed as it coincided with Jerusalem Day, which is a celebration by Jews for the reunification of Jerusalem with the capture of East Jerusalem. Yes, that's right. The celebration usually involves a march through the Muslim quarter of Jerusalem headed towards the Temple Mount, which is located, you guessed it, where the Al-Aqsa Mosque was built. So not only do the Israelis celebrate the illegal capture of East Jerusalem, they celebrate it by walking through the part that all of the people that used to own this place still live at. And I mean, nobody can help that everybody has holy sites that are virtually the same. But at this, anyways, yeah, that that's that's you might as well pull your pants down, spread your butt cheeks, and, and tell somebody to just to just lick your butt bowl after you take a shit and don't even wipe it good. That that's what this amounts to. But with the tension being amped like it was, not only was the court decision postponed, but the march was attempted to be stopped by barring Jews from entering the mosque. There was another raid on the mosque on May 10th and an attempt to reroute the Jerusalem Day March away from the Muslim quarter, which failed to reduce tensions. Around 6 p.m. on Monday, rockets were launched from Gaza. And over the next 11 days, more than 4,000 rockets were launched at Israel from Gaza, which resulted in roughly 12 deaths. Now, a lot of the missiles missed their targets, some malfunctioned, a lot hit open areas with no people around, but it is estimated that roughly 80 to 90% of the missiles launched were intercepted 
by the dome, the Iron Dome, is the Israeli missile defense system. Now, this isn't a show about the missile defense system, nor is it a show about the specifics of the violence that occurred. I don't want to create drama or trauma for people by talking about the trauma that's been caused to other people. But I do think we need to be made aware of it. So I'm not going to get into what the Iron Dome is, how it works, or the back and forth or the timetable of the missile exchanges. But there were missiles shot at Israel and Israel launched a number of airstrikes back at the Gaza Strip. Now, those airstrikes resulted in the deaths of more than 240 people and caused millions upon millions upon millions of dollars of damage, hundreds of millions of dollars of damage. The Gaza Strip had no defense systems, and because of the cramped space and the nature of the organizations operating in the region, Israel was able to strike what would otherwise be considered no-hit targets, schools, hospitals, high-rises, and other traditionally civilian targets, because it's believed that these areas were being used by insurgents. Israel calls the Hamas a terrorist organization. And a lot of people call the Hamas a terrorist organization. I'm not here to make once any sort of declaration one way or the other about whether they're a terrorist organization or not. That's a matter of perspective because if we're being quite honestly to my community, the police are a terrorist organization. So, and I want to address this here too, because I said that. I'm not going to play this game of saying not all cops are bad, because not all black folk are bad either. But in, until, as long as I'm being assumed to be an evil monster just because I'm black, guess what? You wearing that badge makes you an evil monster to me. And it's not, it's not my responsibility to change that. You're supposed to be the police officer. You're the professional. You're the one that is charged with protecting and serving. And you're the one that has the power of life and death on your belt loop. It's not my responsibility to make you comfortable around me. It's your responsibility to make me comfortable around you. That's And you can't convince me otherwise. You could try them. But anyways, the Gaza Strip was already in a humanitarian crisis and it just got a whole lot worse. Now the Gaza Strip is a 25 mile long, five mile wide strip of land that contains 141 square miles of land and about 2 million Palestinians on the Mediterranean side of Israel. The area is self-governed by the Palestinians with the Hamas having control of the region since 2007 but it is still operating under the authority of the Israeli state, according to international sovereignty recognitions. And because of the hostility present in the area, the Gaza Strip is heavily blockaded by Egypt and Israel, meaning that those 2 million people are cramped into that small space with very, very, very few resources. Hence the humanitarian crisis that the area was already in. Now, there was a ceasefire truce signed between both factions on May 21st, with both factions claiming victory. The U.S. had been blocking calls by the U.N. to issue statements, but the Security Council finally did call for full adherence to the ceasefire. But they also reasserted their desire for a two-state solution in the region, 
something that the U.S. officially killed in any previously determined capacity when Trump moved the embassy. But what does any of this matter? The U.S. gives Israel $3.8 billion a year in aid money with no strings attached, no conditions attached to it. America doesn't give money away very often with no strings attached, much less $3.8 billion. America is also an Israeli supporter nation. And at its core, because America is also a Christian nation, we believe that the state of Israel and the people that live within it are God's chosen people. So we believe that by supporting the Israeli state, we are in fact supporting the work of God. And I'm not talking about why the government actually supports Israel because that's a show and a conversation for another day. I'm talking about why American citizens actually support a regime that clearly and openly oppresses people. And more specifically, I'm talking about why black Americans support a regime that clearly openly oppresses people. And I'm not just pulling that out of my butt. I asked, I sent out a survey and I asked a number of people, and I've been doing this for a while now. For black Americans, I've sent out a survey and I've asked a number of black Americans about their support for Israel. And the most regular answer I got was that Israel was God's chosen son. So they felt obligated to support the nation. While, now, while there's a growing body of protesters here in America that have taken up the call to speak out against what's happening in Israel with the prosecution of the Palestinians, and while a lot of those grassroots movements are giving credit to black people for teaching the world how to protest, the fact remains that Biden delayed his call for peace to the Israeli nations as part of a regular pattern of diplomacy during which aggressive nations that are friendly to the U.S. have a window of time to act with impunity before the U.S. uses its megaphone to condemn them. The fact remains that the U.S. still gives billions of unconditional aid to locations that commit human rights violations. And the fact remains that oppressed people the world over still believe their best hope for freedom is getting other nations of the world to see their oppression, a strategy, a strategy that has had virtually no long-term systemic impact. We have been seeing the oppression of the Palestinians for decades. The world has seen the oppression of black people for centuries, and we have seen the oppression of the Irish, the Kurds, and the, the Indians, the Native Americans, and so on and so forth. The world has not done anything about it. Those people had to force the hands of their oppressors to back up. They had to take steps towards self-sufficiency. They had to stand up and stop begging and pleading to be viewed as humans. Because anyone that can look at you, understand your words, and still choose not to see you as human is someone that you cannot negotiate with. Everyone will make their statements in their speeches, just like they do when oppression happens here. But at the end of the day, everyone is still waiting for the next issue to spark violence in the region again. Similar to how every summer, the news outlets here in America decide to get that ratings boost by making a big deal out of something that occurs roughly two times a day. The unjustified killing of an American citizen, a black American citizen, by the government that is supposed to protect them. And as if looking for a reason to leave the house, we all take to the streets. 
bringing in our summer resolutions by promising to create change and sticking to our activist workout program of 10,000 steps for about a week or two and then going to the party feeling accomplished until the next thing that's put in our face makes us mad because we have to see it not because it's happening but because it's being shown to us the people that have achieved change the people that have created change for themselves are the people that take creating that change seriously and take steps to create a self-sufficient community for themselves the people that beg other people to help, the people that beg those oppressing them to see their humanity are the people that are still doing that with very little tangible, real world, societal or systemic changes that benefit them in any meaningful way. Pay attention to what I just said because a lot of people like to harp on the civil rights movement and the changes that that movement brought for black people. But from a social and a systemic point of view, very little has changed. And black people now are poorer than they were in the 1960s. So let me know what you think in the comments below. Let me know, do you agree with me? Do you disagree with me? Am I ill-informed? Have Do I have certain facts wrong? Let me know. I'm interested in reading them and I'm definitely interested if I got something wrong. If you know that I have something wrong or my view is wrong in any way, definitely leave a comment and leave a link because I'm not above admitting that I can be wrong, I can be miseducated, I can be misresearched on something, or I can misinterpret something. So let me know. And I look forward to the next time we talk on the next episode of Lessons from the Screen. Boom! Lessons from the Screen.